0: Welcome back to another episode of the Hackable You podcast. We've taken a mid-season break, life gets in the way, work gets busy and we just needed a little bit of time to ourselves but we're here, we're back and ready to keep recording as ever. Guys, you missed me, I've missed you. How's it going?
1: Hello strangers, good to see you. (laughs)
0: I guess you could say Stranger Things Ooh, with Halloween on the loom. Oh
1: God, that was. I'm glad to see some things haven't changed. <laughs> the That's jokes. So I haven't missed that. <laughs> yeah, I
0: haven't no, missed I'll that. I try to keep popular culture references where I can. You know,
1: <laughs> it's been so long. It's been so long that I now have glasses. I've got a new tattoo and a new piercing. Have you? I love the stunned silence there. No, only one truth in those.
0: <laughs> it's not the glasses because you're on webcam and I can't see them.
1: Then you must need them, mate. Because I'm wearing glasses. <laughs> Look,
0: I'm trying to make the yeah. the listeners that, believe mate. that you either have a piercing or a, or a tattoo. Nah,
1: I'm too wimpy for a tattoo, and probably too wimpy for a piercing as well.
0: <laughs> you know what? When Hackable You are in uh, Vegas for Black Cat and DefCon, will we've got one one goal from that session, and it's to make one of those happen.
2: I was going to say, please. I thought you were about to ask me if I, if we if we should get Hackable Your tattoos, and I was about to.
1: Yeah, I draw the line. <laughs> I, I, I draw. <laughs> well,
0: you know what, you guys, you're dead to me now. That's no dedication. <laughs> <It's sad. laughs> what have you been up to, though? How's how's work?
1: It's good to be back. Work's okay. You know, I've been getting out to some um, events recently, so I've been down to DTX, been over to Cyber House Party, and I've been at a rant event as well at the Museum of London, so Lots of really good, sort of like in-person networking. It's really, really nice to be out and seeing some familiar faces again. And also just meeting some new people, expanding that network, having a few drinks. Um, Yeah, it's been good. It's been good.
0: That's good. I see B-Sides London is happening soon as well. Yeah, at some point in
1: November. Yeah, I I didn't. It's actually on a weekend, which is a bit problematic for me. But yeah, November, B-Sides London.
0: Fun and games. Will, how about you? How's tricks?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Works busy, busy. Uh, as always, um, which is no bad thing I guess, um, been doing some training, some learning, um, I guess the busiest thing I've got on the moment is a puppy, that oh tends yeah, to... you
0: have to update the listeners,
2: yeah, <laughs> uh, Yeah, he's grown quite a bit now, so he's four months, but he's still a lot of work, um, so I spend most of my day trying to get work done, stop the puppy for doing things it shouldn't be doing whilst also getting was also getting p- pestered by my cat as well. So, I'm actually to some extent wishing I was in the office again, to be honest. But um,
0: first of all, problems, mate. You know there are people there with children; they're having to look after. I don't know I don't
2: know how people do it. I mean, <laughs> I just can't be every
0: parent out there. Well done. <laughs> you've done it. You've
2: you've made it. Well done. Salute. <laughs> I salute you all.
0: Anyway, enough of that ramble. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a different approach, really. We've listened to some feedback from our listeners. Uh, glad to hear everyone's still enjoying it, but we're going to come up uh, with a little bit of a different vibe and just going to have a bit of an open open forum, a bit of a discussion about what's going on, and just kind of see where the conversation goes. Mostly because we haven't had a good catch up in a very, very long time, and I feel like it's uh, a good chance to really cover a lot of topics. So, um, you know, we'll jump in with the news and we'll talk a little bit about the Twitter twitter my bad nope we'll jump not, in with the not news. twitter this time <laughs> we'll jump in with the news and we will talk a little bit about what's happened with twitch right so i mean alex i can't remember who posted this in the in our whatsapp chat actually one of you mentioned that twitter got oh fuck, why do you keep saying twitter that twitch got popped
1: I think I posted some of the data. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think you posted the picture, right? the think, screenshot yeah. of that Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah.
1: looking at some of the, the top streamers' salaries, which are immense, by the way. If you never knew how much a Twitch streamer earns, we're in the wrong industry, all of Millions.
0: us. Millions. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, like the top gamers and stuff. I mean, I've definitely watched a lot of Twitch over kind of lockdown, especially... Um, when like Call of Duty Warzone was like booming, I just for some reason got just got like addicted to watching it and watching all the streamers play it. So, you know, you got the likes of Tin the Tapman and the Mercs, They're like five million dollars in earnings from 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 Twitch alone. Like, don't forget they'll have sponsorship deals on the side with things like G Fuel or Sneak the energy drink companies, and and you know you know you know what all types of different uh, kind of gaming uh, endorsements they'll have. And five million just from Twitch alone is mad
1: yeah but what
0: actually agreed. happened like, what, what's the data that's been sold and what, how did it happen
1: so from what i've seen there's a lot of data so around 125 gigs a, a, an archive file essentially containing uh twitch source code internal internal tools and also revenue reports um so information on their aws services their proprietary sdk services essentially the whole whack it's a really big breach a lot of this stuff was um posted on 4chan or 4chan don't really know how you meant to pronounce it probably 4chan um 4chan 4chan 4 yeah <laughs> 4chan I, I don't say 4chan but you don't know Bro, how some people might you, pronounce these things you gotta know what 4chan is I saying. don't Come know on. no I, I've, I, I do know what 4chan is um but yeah so in, in 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 the statement when they posted this data they said you know their community is a disgusting toxic cesspool <laughs> as, as you know as part Jeez. of the reason why they're posting this data um it's really interesting. So, does that sound a bit like a disgruntled streamer or yeah, something? Yeah, a group know. of disgruntled so, streamers. Yeah, maybe. So like a, or, or like a victim of, of like a council campaign or something from someone in the community. I don't know. It's, it's really weird where they've sort of said this, yeah, this community is disgusting. Um, but, yeah, really interesting.
0: I know, I know that, you know, obviously there's a lot of, like with anything, trolling and stuff online with, with Twitch, and certainly. Um, they went through a massive kind of banning wave didn't they of kind of different types of content or if you were playing um songs that you didn't have the copyright for they'd lot of dmca takedowns and stuff like that so i know that over the last probably 18 months or so twitch has really cracked down on the the legitimacy and some of the use cases for streamers it does sound a little bit like a group of people have banded together maybe and and and, and whacked out at twitch because of some reason it feels quite not insider because obviously they're not employees of Twitch, but, you know, part of the community, I don't know, I'm getting those vibes because of that language that was used.
2: I I thought this was um, what had been in part attributed and it's a bit, you know, perhaps just a standard response, but I thought this had been attributed to Cozy Bear.
0: Yeah, the Russian state sponsor. Mm. But I don't get that. Like, obviously, if they're using TTPs, Base of a Fancy Bear, it's a massive... US organization that's probably got links in with a number of service providers and, and, and cloud providers. So it's a good kind of supply chain attack if you think about it as well. But
2: yeah, I mean, using
0: I. Language like that, like it doesn't, that just doesn't sound very APT to come out with some form of statement like that.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's just from an article, you know, from the news and stuff like that. And, you know, we, we all know that there is a habit just to blame. You know russian apts play, like, yeah play just playing
1: russia all the time right <laughs> so it's always um, russia slash eastern europe i mean it might be reason.
2: but you know the reality is we probably will probably never find out ultimately but yeah i mean you're right you know that's just one of those things where you know um attribution is always we, we banged on about that It's not banging on about it anymore but um, yeah it was there was mention of that you know um that particular state you know state sponsored group but you yeah, but yeah you're right you know i think historically from my memory at least they have Cozy Bear haven't tended to be particularly kind of over around their communications and stuff like that they just sort of tend to get yeah. on with it and do it but
0: I don't know I haven't given it enough reading mm. in all honesty to give an educated response And it probably should have but it, to me it just doesn't it doesn't feel like that would have been that form of a state sponsored actor funny enough I was reading an article earlier um, I think it was the Info Security Magazine or something like that which basically said that um uh, It was only back in 2010 that the main IRC servers for Twitch were hacked. Um, And the download was replaced by a version that had been compromised with the Trojan backdoor. So it's not the first time that a fairly large form of exploit or attack against Twitch has happened. I just think this time, with the whole of the source code being leaked, and that sensitive information about Twitch earnings, it's one of those kind of taboo topics Right, streamers never really talk about how much they earn, even though we know it's bank. It does seem like they've maybe been a bit of a, a target consistently for a little while.
1: I think twitch also sort of came out and said that it was a misconfiguration I, I love that term you know they always come and say server misconfiguration so they said it was caused by a server misconfiguration which was subsequently accessed by a malicious third party um sort of yeah, sort standard of party up. line isn't it sort of open bucket somewhere which screwed them over
0: open bucket unpatched service yeah D- directly open port something like that but uh, uh again it'll be interesting to see more of twitch's response here i think they throw a bit of shade In industry and definitely uh you know cast out some wild comments for sure and take some drastic actions against some of those streamers so we'll see what actually happens because of this kind of source code leak and if anything bleeds out from there i did also see in the news as well kind of moving on to a separate topic one that's alex is definitely close to your heart i say that close to your alcoholism problem i mean close to my liver
1: or lack of (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, it's not close to the heart it's It's close close to to the the heart
0: but the brew dog so brew dog Big British brewer uh, produced lots of fancy hoppy flowery type beers but you can definitely find it in most pubs across the UK they've been popped as well
2: Yeah, I mean it's a pretty it's it's not a great one (laughs) um, in the grand scheme of things because essentially it's uh, potentially um, where their Android application um, has been exposing about 200,000 200,000 Shareholders for the last 18 months, um, plus potentially other customers. Um, that's not
0: great, really, when you think about how much effort they put into getting people to invest in them, right? Although they're not you know publicly traded yet, um, they have so many schemes, don't they, for you to kind of come Yeah, it's this whole investor. sort of scheme of
1: equity for punks, and they're that's one of their sort of USPs, and you know, that's something really big for their brand is that equity for punks, um, whatever you want to call it, um. What's the word I'm looking for? Equity for punks incentive, incentive yeah. Um, but I what I what I love what I love about this vulnerability. So and, and I'll rewind a little bit. You said that they've been popped. There's obviously no evidence to confirm they've been popped. The vulnerability was just discovered by Pentest Partners. Um, part of the interesting part about this is that there's not actually a way to prove if data was accessed or not. But it gives you the ability to access uh, discount codes for beer, which is brilliant, and also um, the ability to get um, QR codes to get free beer, which again is fantastic. Um, But really, really uh, a bit disappointing, I think, reading into the articles to the research from Pentest Partners, the disclosure. Um, And the response from BrewDog to the disclosure was a bit disappointing. They didn't openly come out and say that the security updates was to fix a vulnerability. Um, They asked Pentest Partners not to name BrewDog in the disclosure, uh, even after it was supposedly fixed. Um, so I'm a little bit disappointed in in that response because Brewdog as a brand, they're quite edgy and they're quite open and, and they like to take things head on. Even when they recently come under a lot of fire for criticism for the way they treat their staff, um, yeah, the way they handled yeah. that was was really, really good and, and quite interesting and quite sort of trend setting. But to try and ignore a security vulnerability, not really on.
2: I think I think the trouble is is that this goes against their whole kind of transparency mantra that they sort of went on about during the during that bullying thing but also you know that they kind of publicize for their um you know for their environmental stuff now don't get me wrong you know i you know, there are a uk beer brand and you know i've enjoyed their beers and you know on occasions and got nothing against them but they you're right the way the way they handled this has been you know less than uh, less than confidence inspiring you know even even if you look at the um the updates that they put out for the patch Know, for, for the um, for the uh, mobile application, um, it says, and I quote, "Nothing too exciting in this release. Some updates to improve how the app gets to gets your discount cards." So there's not yeah. even <laughs> even on the up even on the update screen, there's not even a thing of, "Oh, by the way, we fixed a critical security, you know, thing, you know, because they're, And it almost kind of evaluates and goes to the, the level they're trying to do to, to almost kind of brush this under the carpet.
0: Yeah, it seems it seems a bit ridiculous, though, right? Because even if security bugs are fixed and patched which they are in most app updates in some way whether it be a library or a packages within some code or whether it be a gaping hole because of a misconfiguration lack of input validation whatever it might be pretty much every top app i've seen there today they just have the throwaway comment of squish some security bugs Right, a little bit hip, a little bit edgy, but all of them are. All, most apps are disclosing the fact they've released some security updates because, as a consumer, you read that, you think, "Ah, oh, okay, great." They're making it a little bit more more secure. I think BrewDog have really missed the beat on their on their response here. I mean, they, maybe maybe I'm going to abstain from buying their beer now. I mean, Alex, with buying something else. For
2: <laughs> they, they kind of go on about you know that um, you know in 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 their write up if you read it from Pentas Partners in their blog, you know that Pentas Partners did you know essentially a load of work for them to to fix this as well not, not just to identify but also to fix it including a few different uh versions of it where, where they failed to fix it a few, the first few times um and they did all this for free and i do think that it's a bit of a cheeky reply you know and from you know reality is is if this was if this was a bug bounty program and you'd found a vulnerability like this and a bug, you'd get a pretty decent payout yeah You know, a PII. This would be critical, and you know, you'd get a decent payout. And I think, you know, Pentas partners have done it for free, um, and they've gone about it in a very you know decent way, as far as I can tell. Um, And I just think the attitude is a bit. It just sucks no, basically, it's, it sucks it, basically.
1: Things. It, it's a critical vulnerability it not not only is the pr is their pii being leaked for for customers but it's also having a commercial impact in the fact that it allows someone to get discounted or free beer it's like it, uh, that's that's the that's the complete stack of problem there commercial impact regulatory impact why are you not responding properly <laughs>
0: yeah yeah I, I do i do think that kind of the measurement of response to disclosure response to breach is is becoming a bit more um, focused on. You know, I think before most people could get away with not really saying much skirting around the edges. Uh, you've seen the likes of Monzo and a few other kind of key people kind of really leading the edge on how they do their kind of external comms and stuff like that. If you are in an organization or even in your roles now and you're not aware of the stance or the attitude that your organization might take on these comms definitely definitely find out because i think there's a lot of moral obligations we have to consumers and customers or you know into business relationships with the way we handle these things and it's only through companies really being open and transparent with security that the the kind of industry is going to move forward personally i think those companies that still work in that old world of trying to hush hush everything and trying to um, uh, set it all aside just don't work because it comes out either you know weeks months years later to bite them back in the bum. Whereas if you're there standing out and kind of open faced to it all, you're only going to receive criticism for a little while. And actually, from every all the conversations we've had, most of it turns around to be positive in their favor because of of how they responded to it. And that that's you know they say there's no such thing as bad press, but you know if a breach is going to be some form of bad press be as positive as you can by being as responsible as you can. I mean, I I think this is a good
2: kind of almost case study in you know, um, reputational damage from something that isn't actually, you know an an attack hasn't happened but you know, something serious has been found Um, and you know, there was the you know, the transparency and and, you know, the reputational damage could have been minimised by Mm. by by, like you say handling it well and unfortunately you know, I do know a lot of people who who are shareholders, especially, you know, who work in the security industry, who just said... Who love our beer, the well,
0: security industry is always in a pub. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, and, and they just said that, you know, that they're, that they're done with BrewDog, you know, and I just think, it could have just yeah. been avoided by just having the right attitude towards this, you know. It's.
0: I think for me, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm. Like, I've been a bit off of them as a brand since some of the news that's come out recently. I think that beer was way overhyped anyway, so uh I'm happy to find... Something. I don't know, I mean,
2: I... I don't know. I mean, I, I I want them to succeed as a as a brewer and as a UK thing, um, and I hope they you know do learn a lesson from it. But I just you know, I, like I said, for for me, it's a it's just an excellent case study in, in how not to handle a vulnerability disclosure. Basically, yeah. that's what I see it as.
0: Point. Well, Will, you, you came up with something really interesting. We we were speaking about the other day around this new potential law around ransomware in the states that's going to look at kind of some form of disclosure thing. Yeah. What, what was that about? I can't remember what you were saying.
2: Yeah, so there's um, a US Senator, uh, Elizabeth Warren, has uh, um, proposed um, a, a new act in the US called the Ransomware Disclosure Act, um, wow. which would essentially require organisations that fall victim to ransomware tax and pay the f- ransom um, to publicly detail the information about the payment within 48 hours. Uh,
0: that's, that's, that's quite a good idea. Like, like knee-jerk reaction sounds quite good. We um, always say never pay. Because you don't know what your financing it could be—terrorist financing, crime, whatever it might be. So, at face value, you know if you are having to pay because that's your route out. Because many companies are still opting for that. Giving as much details as you can about that payment, in the right way, could actually have some benefits and and start to slowly you know grow the knowledge and intelligence we have on these actors.
2: I mean, the the this says in the article um, here that the the aim of the bill is to provide DHS, Sean assuming is the Department, Homeland Security. Department of Homeland Security with better information about ransomware attacks. So it sounds like they're always going to use it as a reporting mechanism. So, because I imagine, well, because obviously, you know, there'll be ransomware attacks that happen, which, you know, which never, never form or never get into the public domain or, you know. So it looks like they're almost using it as a, like I said, like a reporting mechanism, which is a very interesting way of looking at it. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, I guess it'll work, but I don't know how do you how do you enforce that if you don't how do you enforce something if you don't know it happened?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's it's a struggle to enforce, but I also think that we we know for a fact anyway that for things to become legislation for something like this to become law, it takes it's quite it's quite a long time, right? And you know, it it just seems to be the right timing that. With ransomware booming or even as that article says right ransomware is skyrocketing uh, that it's about the right time to have a bill like this in place to introduce some form of function like this but I think it's a little bit behind the times before the likes of double extortion ransomware and stuff like that because back in the day when you were to hold a company for ransom you'd you'd be the, the fees were a little bit lower you'd be paying to get access back to your systems to get the encryption key to allow your files access and then kind of away you go along that kind of journey Nowadays, with, with them stealing data, threatening to leak the data, as well as holding you to ransom and then the whole kind of double, triple, quadruple extortion we've mentioned several, several times, I think the, the incentives to want to report on that is really going to struggle be, to be there because not only are you now saying, oh, great, we're going to now tell the government the fact that we've paid a ransom and all your details to it, criminals aren't going to like that. They're just going to threaten to leak your data. And I think that's what's more important to to organisations now is the fact that their sensitive data could be exposed and could expose all sorts of horrors and problems or whatever and other regulatory fines that might happen because of that rather than just the fact they're going to lose some of their systems. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah
1: um i think it's a helpful oh, yeah. kind of step forward for just for plain information sharing if nothing else you know we have such a stigma in this industry of if we're hit we want to keep it close to our chest we don't want to tell anybody for you know from fear of um reputation damage or, or whatever it is there's a tendency to not want to let much information out at all um by by mandating that you have to give information out don't know if that's a good or a bad thing but you know we have to do something to take that stigma away of you know don't tell anyone because there's intelligence it, it's, it's so useful it, it's really useful you know one company gets hit let the community know how you were hit what you did wrong what was a follow-up what you paid who you paid how can we avoid those mistakes in the future um yeah just just share knowledge
0: i guess if you look at gdpr as an example where law had to be passed for companies to really start taking personal data data privacy seriously I guess a shake-up of of something like this Ransomware Disclosure Act is going in in the same directions and you know it, it would be fair to say that the introduction of GDPR has made people wake up and focus on security a little bit more. Maybe that is really the stance that we need with ransomware a little bit more and rather than you know, forcing a organisation to disclose if they make payment to a ransomware actor, maybe coming down a little bit more with the regulatory route um, and seeing what can be done in that way to make people think about their attitude towards ransomware a little bit differently. I think that's probably a better way round of, of getting people to do things, have that, that lead up time like people did have to implement GDPR that May the 17th or whatever it was, um, the same sort of thing, but not just focused on ransomware. I think ransomware is the problem Um, and it definitely is a key problem at the moment uh, for many many organizations and 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 government entities but you've got to look at cyber attacks as a more generalist stance and if we're going to enforce a law that looks at how you disclose um you that you've been victim to some form of malicious actor cyber actor i think we've got to generalize it a bit more not just focus on ransomware because as soon as ransomware doesn't isn't prevalent anymore and it's some other form of next gen of extorting a company or whatever it might be, that act is going to be pretty useless. That's a good point. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens in that space. We'll have to make a note, Will, to uh, follow that story a little bit over the next few months or so and, and keep that up to date. Cause I think that genuinely is, is interesting where that will go. On a completely separate topic though, away from news. Um, as you guys know, or the this is not now, I kind of started a new role. Uh, moved into the kind of fintech space which I'm absolutely loving I just want to touch a little bit about on um, you know when you start a new job or when new projects come along at work how you kind of reset and refocus to maybe learn and and educate yourself on something new like for me um, I've spent many many years working within one kind of particular cloud environment Uh, other jobs I've moved to and they all operate another cloud environment and this is no different right I've gone into a a new role where the, the cloud environment we're we're in is is different from the the last kind of many years I've worked so I've got to kind of learn this new environment a little bit more and and pretty quickly to make sure I can apply the security lens over it and start having that real value back to the company within this environment so I've been you know really jumping on the bandwagon of getting back into some online courses and getting up early in the morning and, and taking an hour out of my day to kind of learn this but I just wanted to see what your kind of thoughts and tips were about how you tackle new things you have to learn when they when they crop up.
1: You know, from you know, for me, the, the biggest thing for me, right? You've got to be absolutely ruthless with your time management with that sort of thing, because when it comes to learning something new, especially a new meaty topic, like or or like studying for a cert, or you anything new and meaty, it's so easy to come up with excuses as to why you can't do it you know especially when you work in their roles exactly especially when your your bau work is so busy anyway you know maybe you're you're leading a team or you know you've got other projects on or you're you're helping create different functions to put that time into yourself into learning a new technology is a really big thing and it's it's so easy to think you know what i haven't got time today i haven't got time this week um but you've got to be very very regimented and actually make that time you know is there a meeting that you can say no to um, you know do you actually do you necessarily have to be on a certain meeting could it be an email so there's a free period in your day there you know can you get up half, half an hour earlier there's, a, there's some free time there so it's a, it's a for me learning something new in such a huge way is about re- being really strict and regimented with myself and analyzing my, my diary and saying what can I cut out and what can I make time for
0: I, I quite like that as well I think it's a good and healthy habit to have anyway uh, and the kind of story i'll put around this is in most cases when you want to take out time to study like that you've probably got a cert in mind a certification in mind or a particular end goal and when that end goal happens you're like oh now what i've had all this time i've been so used to, to many many uh, hours worth of dedicated time and now you start filling up with meetings again and i would say no don't like even though you might have achieved a goal you know past the certification whatever still keep that time in and force yourself to learn something new We're not saying that you always have to be studying for a certification. I mean great if that's how you if that's what you want to do I know many people who will collect as many certifications under the sun as possible but if you do what Alex said be regimented with your calendar free up that time and then you keep that and make that precedent with your ways of working and how you and how you do continuous learning and, and, and professional development learn to fill those gaps with stuff you know you, you finish doing a, a certification or what you're going to do to learn about the soft skills about how you might apply that knowledge you've just learned or maybe make that time up to do knowledge transfers with the team until you find an area that you want to fill that back up with and learn something new and and stuff like that i think that's so 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 important you make it part of how you work and who you are anyway within your within your work within your calendar that sort of thing
2: i think i mean i think there's some there's some interesting Kind of aspects to that around the whole certification, actually, because me personally, when I want to learn something new, and cloud is a good example of that, I um, I tend to pick a cert to do, even like straight off the bat. I did it with pen testing, and you know, and I think the reason why I do that is because if you said to me tomorrow, "Oh, well, can you go out and learn about APIs?", I often struggle to find a starting point. You know, where do yeah. I where do I start with this? You know. What do you um, type
0: into Google?
2: How do I? Yeah, how to? Just go to was it a Stack Exchange? Where it's called. Um, yeah, and Stack Overflow to learn it all. But I um, so I, I I personally often do start a certification. At least, um, you know, I don't always have the ultimate aim of actually getting certified at the end of it. But you know that. But that kind of structured course for me um, gives me a good structured way to approach the the subject and normally cover, you know a lot of the foundational parts of it that when I then finish, whether I get certified or not, that's a bit irrelevant really. But when I when I then finish that course, I then have a bit of a grounding to know well, which what bits I might want to focus on and build up on and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And I know certs get a lot of stick and quite rightly so in a lot of ways. And you know, if you just do certs and then you just do a cert and then you never use something you get, you know, say you do like an SQL based cert and then never touch it again. Then you know I I agree that you know that there's you do have to find ways of of using that knowledge and applying that knowledge. So so my typical method is to do a cert to get that foundational knowledge, and then once I've got that basics, and I really do mean the basics, I then tend to sort of go away and try and build projects for myself based on that knowledge I've gained, and sort of and that's just the way I learn.
0: Kind of as we wrap up the podcast for this evening, I guess what's one one thing we can leave our listeners with to go and focus on in their in their work next week what can they bring into their sock what's maybe our little secrets from the sock nugget this week based on some of the stuff that we've been talking about i'll go first because you know i know if we go to alex he's just going to say whatever the last thing was said. <laughs> and if, i know if i go to willie he's just going to say go to alex first so um i'll take the bat on for the uh, comeback of the mid-season break so for me i think it goes back to what i mentioned with regards to the Twitch breach around the comms, uh, sorry, the BrewDog breach around the comms and the comms out to do business. If you don't know who your kind of PR reps are, your external communications or even internal commu- commu- communication teams are, grab a coffee with them. Uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't have to be a Zoom call these days. Now we're all back in the office or starting to get there and try and work out, you know, how they spin things and how they uh, how they run comms. Understand a little bit more about what their stance is. Do they... What are their priorities? Is it protecting customer retention? Is it protecting stock value? What are their priorities? What does it mean to be externally facing when it comes to communications? And and bring that feedback back into the sock so you can understand that when you know, shit does hit the fan, you have a good understanding about what the business narrative on this needs to be and provide them with the right information to make that seem possible and accurate so you don't come under the scrutiny that, that we put Brudog under today.
1: So I'll go. I'll go with um, my the point I made about time management. Right, is being really, really selfish with your time. So you know, don't be afraid yeah. to say no to a meeting. Don't be afraid to block out two hours on a Friday afternoon because that's the time that you want to study. You know, don't don't be afraid to make that time for yourself. If you're trying to learn a new concept, understand that it's not going to come easily. And it's you know, we're always going to be too busy. That's 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 this industry. We are always busy. Monday to, Monday to Friday, Monday to Sunday, whatever you want to call it. We are busy people. Um but unless you're more selfish of that time and actually go and try and make time, it's not gonna happen.
2: Uh I'm gonna go back to my point around the kind of uh, collab- collaborative learning. That's a big word for for this time of night, isn't it? Um, <laughs> big word for dyslexia. Big, I was to big say word to for a yeah. small boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that I'll kind of that kind of learning um you know, with for you know yeah, with with someone else. If you don't have any friends, what I would say is go and make some friends. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: but no, but there's, there there's are l- things like discord and stuff yeah, like that. There's loads of no.
2: forums out there and most like most kind of, you know, topics or certifications, they've all, always got like forums and like you say, it's pretty, it's like a discord for everything nowadays. If you really get stuck yeah. and reach out to someone, to one of us three, you know, and, uh, you know, we're, we're more than happy to chew some fat over, over topics and stuff like that.
0: Of course. Yeah. We wouldn't run a podcast if we didn't like talking about it. Yeah, very true. Um, that being said, we've come to the end of the podcast. A little bit different from the normal structure just because we wanted to come back with a bit more of a, uh, a chat because it's been so long. Um, you will see the standard format as well, but uh, we'll try and keep it up, uh, keep it different, keep you on your feet and maybe have a few more of these open sessions. Uh, we want to thank you for listening and we will catch you all in the next episode. See you later, guys.